0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Felix Justin, and I lead the youth ministry here in Santa Clarita. Please be turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. You know, we're in the last couple days of our 40-day series, Back on Track. been reading that book, and uh, if you're like me, uh, you've probably got off track at some point in time. You know, when I first heard about the book, Back on Track, I got really excited because it was December, and and uh, I just kind of am in that December Christmas fog. You know, The Christmas is in the air, and it usually involves a lot of eating, a lot of parties, a lot of spending money. And uh, you kind of just get off track. And I was really looking forward to this to this book um, to really get, get my mind focused, right? And um, I think it's, it's, it's really been great. You know, I think that for, for us, we're in the last couple of days, so it's really a test now of, of where our character is at. You know, and so our lesson titled today is a call to action, because there's been a lot of things brought up in the book and a lot of things in uh, past awesome sermons that we've had by Ron that uh, that he's brought up. But now it's time to put those things into action. Amen. Uh, If you're like me, there's a I was thinking about how how this uh, this happens, where there's like this this sore spot in, in our lives. And I think about and I was trying to think about what's been in my life that I really don't want to look at. You know, there's, everyone has this one thing that we, we're, we're trying to work on. You know, and the book has brought up different number of different issues, different sin, different relationships, different vision. And some of those things, it's you know, we're really good at, and so we want to focus on those things, but there's other things that are really hard, and, and we really don't want to go there. And for me, I was starting to think back, and, and one of the, the things that I was thinking about is, is reading in public. As, as a kid, it started in first and second grade, where you, you sort of read out, out loud. You know, the teacher kind of goes around, and, and uh, it's your turn to read. And I just started getting a lot of anxiety, and I started like, to be uh, you know, get sweaty. And, uh, and every time I would read, I'd stumble and, and really stutter, and I, it was a horrible experience. And so every time I had that experience, it just, re, you know, it brought it up again. Like, yeah, you're a bad reader. Uh, you, you're failing at this. And uh, I began to notice that I don't want to read anymore because uh, it was it didn't make me feel good. I was not good at it. So it was easy for me to dismiss this part of my life and start to focus on things I was good at. And then I started doing this with other things in my life. You know, I realized at an early age that I was, I was good at football and good at baseball but I uh, wasn't so good at basketball. Didn't have the height and uh, endurance, probably. So I, I stopped playing basketball. And there are certain sports that I stopped doing because I wasn't good at those things. And they were soft. They're, and I, they became weak points. And so I chose to focus on the, the good things, the things I was good at. And I left those things behind. And the reason why I share that is because a, a lot of us have done that spiritually. There are certain things that we've failed at. And you know what? They're soft spots. you know what? We, we, we really don't want to go back there. Maybe we had good intentions, even getting back on track and we say, 2012 is going to be different, but it's already starting to look like 2011. And it's only February, right? Maybe there's certain things that are in your life. Maybe there's a certain thing you're thinking of right now, a certain sin, a certain relationship. That really needs to get back on track. You need a call to action for. And God today is calling you to have some action in your life. And go back to those things. Identify those things. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer before we start reading. God, I pray that you are with us. And that you have our minds focused on you. That everything else, the anxiety, the worry, where we're going out to eat after church, is, uh, is out of our minds. Father, we can really be focused on you and our hearts are soft to hear your word, to know you, Father. And those things that are are, are sticking out, the, the weaknesses in our life, in our hearts, that we can really focus on those and hone in on those. It's in your son's name, I pray. Amen. Exodus chapter two. We're going to read from Moses in his life. Chapter two, verse 11. It says one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what i did must become known when moses heard of this he tried to kill moses sorry when pharaoh heard this he tried to kill moses but moses fled from pharaoh and went to live in midian where he sat down by a well so just like me in my reading out loud and being really scared and not wanting to go back to that and just like the things that we're thinking that we've tried to make efforts in to change a lot of us have run away from those things and we don't want to go back this is where we pick it up for Moses. Everyone has their own starting spot. Moses, he really identified as he grew up and he grew as a, into a man that he was Hebrew. And he started to embrace his Jewishness. Right? I'm not sure really what that looked like. Maybe he started to, to grow his hair out a certain way or walked Jewish. But he realized that he was a Jew now. Not a, he's not an Egyptian. And he saw this injustice being done. Right. This injustice between the Egyptian and his and his Hebrew people. And he looked around, and he said, and he killed the guy, killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. He's like, yeah, that's right. Now, maybe people are going to follow me. Maybe now I can start a revolution or something. But it was the exact opposite. People, people judged him. He's like, who, who are, you? Are, you, are you? Are you in a point of, of leadership? Are you just going to kill me, too? He didn't get the kind of respect that he was looking for. So, what did he do? He ran He ran away. Many of us have run away from the sins and the try to th- things that we've been trying to work on. you know what we've tried and, and we failed, so we've run from them. maybe we're stuck in Midian. maybe we're hiding out like Moses was. you know Moses just didn't stay in Midian. he, he developed a family he started to uh he, he got married he had some kids he was working for his father jethro and uh You know, he was good at that, and he he stayed in Midian for a long time. And then we see God meeting him at where where he was at. In chapter 3, verse 1, pick the story up here. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him him from within the bush, Moses, Moses! And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face. Because he was afraid to look at God. So when God revealed himself, God said, I, I am God. He, started, he, he revealed himself in this burning bush. And as soon as Moses figured that out, he hid his face. Why? Maybe he was, he was ashamed. Because he knew God, if this is really God, God knows what I did. Maybe some of us are like that. I know I, I, I definitely have been there. Uh, when I was uh, a great mentor of mine is John Markowski, and he was a mentor of mine in high school ministry and then my campus ministry and helped me to get married. And This guy, was, he was great. But uh, when I was in sin, the last person that I wanted to see is John Markowski. I just did not want to see him. You know, I talked to everybody else, and I saw him at far corner of the room. I knew exactly where he was at at all times. Why? Because I was ashamed. I want to hide my face. I sinned the night before, I sinned the, the week before, and I did not want to talk to him, for sure. I'll talk to everybody else. But I felt like he could see into my soul. Maybe, maybe you feel that way sometimes. Maybe you're sitting in, in, in this room today thinking, I hope no one talks to me. I hope I can just sneak out at the end and go to lunch. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I'm I'm really ashamed of what I did yesterday or this past week. And... I really don't want to even be here. Maybe that's you. Everyone has their own starting point. If that is you, you're in good company. Moses was the same way. God called him to something amazing, something great. Chapter 3, verse 7. We're just going to continue with this story, okay? Verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the the Egyptians that are pressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God says, I have chosen you. He's in this bush. It's burning, right? And he's, he's saying, Moses, you are the man, and I'm going to do something great with you. He lays out this plan, right? Just like a great coach would. If you, uh, if you like football, then you know what I'm going to talk about. Like a great coach would say, I'm going to use you. You're my quarterback. Maybe he has his hand on the quarterback and saying, now the play, option left. Go for it, right? If you don't know football, it just means go to left, right? That's my vision, okay? And we're going to see this this interaction because it's going to go God and Moses. It's this great dialogue. I love this in the Bible. I've been reading this for my quiet times in the one-year Bible. And, uh, and we'll see Moses' response, right? Surely he's going to be, like, embracing this, right? Verse 11. Let's see what Moses says. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? His first response is, God, who am I really? It's, it, you, you hear the insecurity in his voice. Who am I, God? I'm just little old Moses. You know, I think that way sometimes. I'm just little old Felix Justin. What can I do? I'm not that great. Not that powerful. So how can I make a change? I've tried going there before. God was met with it was, it was not met with success. Maybe that's what you're at today. You know what? I'm just little low. Substitute your name. You met with insecurity. You're worried. He, he questioned himself. That's the first thing he did, right? He questions himself. And wh- wh- what does God say in verse 12? He says, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. What does he essentially say? He says, Moses, it's not about you. doesn't really matter who you are, because I'm God. I'll be with you, and I love you. But really, it's not about you, Felix. It's about me. And that that has to ring clear to you, okay? It has to make sense to you, because you are not that good. You sinned a bunch. Moses killed a guy. I mean, I'm not sure how many murderers we have in here, but... God can use you if you use Moses, right? Come on, think about that. Is it, question yourself. Yeah, you 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 are not that good. Don't worry about it because it's me. I'm going to do something great. And in the end, we will worship. You will worship God. That's the whole goal. It's to glorify God. It's not to worry about yourself. When you're thinking about God is calling me to do something great. God is calling me to get back on track, calling me to, to action. But what about me? God is greater. God is awesome. It's not about you anyway. Amen. Let's continue reading here. Verse 13. Moses said, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? The second response is he questions others. First, he questioned himself, who who am I? Now he says, well, what if I go to them and how is their response going to be? He starts to fear his perception. What are they going to think about me? When I go back to work, how am I going to be received? When I want to make a change and say, I want to be a Christian, and I go back to my high school, it's like, ooh, are you the churchy guy now? I remember you last week. Maybe you talk to your family members, and there's certain thing you want to change in your life. You say, "I'm going to be like this." I'm like, really? How is it met? With resistance. A lot of times it is. You know, I love it if I can just make a change, and everyone's so supportive. Oh, Felix, you're awesome. You know, what? go ahead. We're, we're, you have my encouragement. No, that's it's usually the opposite. And Moses is fearing that. He's saying, what about others? What will they say? What will they do? How will I be received? Because you know what? They didn't like me before. I tried that. So what does God say? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am. Okay. You really want to know my name? I'm the God of the Israelites. I think they know who I am, but whatever. I am sent you, okay? So he deals with that, and then he goes on, and he he begins to re-inspire him. He begins to tell him this great plan that he has set out. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of the misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen to this last verse. The elders of Israel will... Listen to you. He begins to re-inspire Moses, just like the good coach says to the quarterback. Okay, I told you just the short plan. Option left. Now, you're going to go option left, and you're going to fake it to Aaron, and you're going to keep the ball. Everyone's going to tackle Aaron. You're going to shed three more blocks and go for the touchdown. All right? You with me? And uh, and this is he sort of lays out the plan. God says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to take all my people. We're going to go out. And he begins to kind of give him the play by play, if you will. Right? He begins to try to re-inspire Moses. And again, surely, surely Moses is going to have a great response to this, right? We'll skip over some. We'll turn to chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? He says, what if they don't believe? What's the last verse we just read? Chapter 3, verse 18. The elders of Israel will listen to you. God just said, they will listen to you. And then he says, what if they don't listen to me? Wait, hold on. I'm God. Right? So don't, don't we do this? Don't we question God? First he questions himself. Then he questions others. Now he starts to question God directly. That's a scary place to be. But a lot of times we do that. How do we do that? We read a scripture. Right. And we, it calls us to, to, to do something great. It calls us to change our lives. It calls us to give more. And, and we say, man, that's, that's a good scripture. But will you really come through, God? I know you said to cast all my anxieties on you. But, but will you really take care of me? We question God. Sometimes we question God through other people. Other people are trying to tell us this great thing and this plan for our lives, and, and we're just like, "Really? I need a sign." I mean, I, I just it's not clear to me. God just finished saying this. Are you listening to God this morning? He just finished laying out this great plan, this plan of victory. Are you in tune this morning? You know the the book that we were reading had this great great illustration about the guy who was going on a diet. I'm not sure if you remember that, but he's he's going on a diet and he shows up I think to work and one of his workers sees him eating a donut and uh, the coworker says, "Hey, why? I thought you were on a diet." And he said, "Oh, this is different though, because I, I prayed, see, that uh, if I pass the bakery and there's no no there's no spots open, then God doesn't want me to have the donut." But if there is a spot open, God wants me to have the donut. So after driving around several times, at the seventh time, the spot was open. So I ate the donut. Right? God's, God's waving flags in front of our face, right? They're like, hey, go this way. Come with me. And we're still questioning him. Really? I just need a sign. Maybe it's the message that you don't like. The first time he drove, that was the sign, right? But but he kept going around and asking it and asking it. And finally, he thought he saw the answer. Maybe we're like that today. Maybe God's making it so obvious in people around you. Maybe in your Bible studies. Maybe you're challenged. Maybe you're, when you're getting together with somebody and they challenge and say, hey, this is what you need to work on. I don't know. Let's just... Uh, Let's just pray about that. Are you trusting God this morning? God is trying to reveal himself to you, trying to call you to action in a great way. Are you listening? Are you in tune? See his other response here. Verse two it said, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? This is God responding to his question, Right. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe and that Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, it was leprous, like snow. Put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put it back in his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. So what does God do? He shows him a miracle. He says, you know what you really want to question God? Check this out. Boom. Snake. Hey, go pick it up. Put your hand in in your coat. Okay. Boom. Leprous, just like magic tricks. God just, please, you really want to question God? Check me out. Look at me. I can do many more things. I'm amazing. Can you see God like that? Do you look out at the stars? Do you look out at the mountains and see God is so much bigger? God is so much greater than you. Really? You're going to question me? Stop. Look at what I'm doing. Look at who I am, because I am God. That is awesome. Right? Surely he's going to have a great response now, right? After seeing miraculous signs. We'll see what he does. <laughs> Sorry. Verse 11. Actually, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Right after God just shows him a miracle, puts a snake, you know, as a staff, and makes his hand turn leprous, Moses' response is, "But you know, God, I, I got this. Uh, I got this speech impediment. Uh, you know, I have a lip. <laughs> you, you, you see what he's doing here? He's putting excuses up. You know, first, he starts questioning himself, then others, now God, and, and then at the end, he's just he's just reaching for something. Hey, I, I got a stutter thing. Really?" Think about the kind of excuses we put up in front of God. Man, I want to change, God, but, man, this is a really busy work week. I mean, you should see the deadlines I have. God, I want to change. I want to repent of my sin, but really, you know, i got to got a lot of homework. Really, homework? Homework is going to stop you from making change? Early mornings? Maybe you think, oh, God, I'm just, I'm just too old. That's for the young people. Being a disciple at 60 is much different than at 20. You know, it probably is. What, is. what excuse are you making today? Maybe you're too young and I just want to experience life before I really make that commitment. Maybe you have a lot of kids. Santa Clarita has a lot of kids. And they can be very distracting. I only have one. You know, every time I'm trying to read, my son's tugging on my pant leg. Let I me mean, read. We get focused here. They can be distracting. But is that your excuse? What excuses are we putting in front of God? Moses was reaching. He's reaching for something. And God's response, got to love that. Verse 11 says, "The Lord said to him, "Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord?" Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He's saying, that's a stupid excuse. Are you kidding me? I am God. I make people speak. I make them blind. I, I control all that. You know that little stutter thing you have? I can fix that. And then here, here comes the truth. Moses, his real responses, verse 13. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. That's what, that's what is really in his heart. He didn't want to do it. God, I, I, I know all these things. I know what you're saying. I know you've you even told me the future. What's going to happen? But I just don't want to do it. Can you just send someone else? Surely there's somebody else to do it. Maybe you are in, that, at, in this spot. Maybe you just really don't want to do it. You'd rather do anything else than change. You'd rather have talks with a million other people than really focus on the real problem. You'd rather change any every, any area of your life other than this one thing. God, I just don't want to do it. What is that one thing for you? Is it your relationship with your spouse? Is it your relationship with your children? Is it this nagging sin that every time someone brings it up, it's, ugh, it's irking you? It's, it's piercing your heart. But, you know, I'd rather deal with anything else but that. God, please choose someone else. Choose something else. Verse 14. So then Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. God's just ticked off at this point. His anger burns, right? Really? Stop making excuses. Just get up and go to work. I'm calling you. It's not about you. It's not about other people. It's about me. I believe in you. Let's make it happen. God even clears up his little excuse. He says, you know what? Fine. I'll I'll bring Aaron along, okay? Okay. If you really think it's that big of a deal? I will, I will make it easy. He's carving a little a path here for Moses. Fine, I will knock that out of the way just so you can follow. God clears up the excuse. You know, in the book, it talked about this. It was a great quote. It said, it's easier to direct a moving object than a stationary one. It's easier to move or direct a, a, a moving object than a stationary one. Isn't that so true? Sometimes you just need to get up and start going. You know, if you haven't read the rest of the story, it's awesome. It's an epic tale. We don't have time to read that. Moses goes into Egypt, does seven plagues. And he, he, he frees the people. He takes them through the, parts the Red Sea. Moses does this. And he brings the people out of captivity and crushes a lot of the, uh, the, the Egyptians. He saves thousands of lives. God knew what he had in mind. Moses couldn't see it. You know, you can't make a change if you're in Midian. You can't make a change sitting here this morning. You might think, oh, man, this is a great idea. Man, I should really do something about that. And then just sit there, Right. Well, it starts tomorrow, starts later on this afternoon. Maybe it's in the car ride. Your, your wife or husband brings up something that, about the lesson. Now it's going to start once you leave here. There's three practicals that I have for you today to, to answer the call to action, okay? The first is get up and start moving. Marty Fuco would always say, get your fanny in gear. I always remember that. Get your fanny in gear. Alright, fine. You know what what does it mean? Just wake up and start doing something. You know, this morning it was awesome sleep for me. Uh my wife was at the women's retreat. My son was with my parents, and I had I was living like a single man. I, I slept so so good. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed that. And it was time to wake up and my alarm went on often. I'm usually pretty good you know about waking up, but this time it's Hit the snooze and hit it two or three more times. And I was enjoying the, the, the rest, the warmth of my blankets. The outside air was so cold. And I said, you know what? I'm preaching today. Probably got to get up. So I threw the blankets off and I, I just got up and I stood there. And, you know, I just needed to get up. And I started moving and here I am today. Sometimes you just need to get up and start doing Get up and start going, okay? God's gonna handle it. He even said, just get up, I'll, I'll take care of you along the way. The second is, second practical is, get help from someone. You know, this past week, uh, my wife and I got into a little, little argument. And, uh, I didn't handle it great. Actually, I sinned. And, uh, I talked to Ron about it. I called him and left him a detailed message. And I will tell you, I hated every second of that phone call that I made. I hated, hated thinking about calling. I hated confessing my sin. I felt bad afterwards. But you know what? I needed to do it. I, need, I knew it was good for me. I didn't want to make the call, but I knew I had to. Why? Because I, I need Ron's guidance. I need him to help me. You know, what I didn't do was call one of the teen guys and ask him for relationship issues with my wife for help with that. I didn't do that. I love these guys. They're awesome. But I called someone I can really get help help from. Some guy who's in my life as a mentor for my marriage, for my my life. Get help. That's practical uh, number two. Number three is be consistent. In the book, it was great. Another great quote is consistency is radical. You know, we think about that. We, we usually think about radical as something great, when it's done on the spur of the moment. All this emotion and all this hype, right? That, emotion doesn't last forever. You know, if you're quitting something, if you're quitting smoking, you know, that's got to push through emotion. If you're committed to fasting, there's no emotion there. If you're committed to waking up every day at 4 o'clock in the morning, praying to God, For 40 days, you have to be consistent. What is it in your life that you need to change? Be consistent with it. Get up. Start moving. Get help. and Be consistent. God wants to use you in a great and powerful way. God is looking at you and saying, I can do something with you. I see the best in you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I believe in you. Now get up and start going. Right? That's what he's saying. You know, this call was probably not Moses' finer hour. You know, it was ugly. You know, this, this whole dialogue, I mean, he should have just gone at once, right? Well, he didn't. And a lot of times, we don't either. Maybe it's the third time, fourth time, 20th time that we've been called to the same thing. But you know what? Moses did it in the end. And he saved thousands of people. Now, what if we all, like Moses, answered the call? What would Santa Clarita look like? How many thousands of people could we save? How many people could be here joining us? What kind of miracles can we tell about? What kind of miracles can we be talked about? We're still talking about Moses now. How many years has it been? But he answered the call. Moses answered the call to action. Let's be like him and answer the call to action today. Amen.